extravaganza, and this is Work, the podcast. Stories that make us say work. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I know it's been a while and I have missed you. We took some time off because we couldn't do live interviews anymore. So we regrouped and we did some interviews over Zoom. My first episode is with the directors of Strike a Pose, Esther Gould and Ryer Zwan. I hope you enjoy. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had anybody come into your life that has totally changed the direction, the vibration of your path? Well, that has happened to me. And these two people have definitely widened my scope, changed the trajectory of the path that I was on. And I am so proud to have them on the episode today. I am speaking to Ryer Zwan and Esther Gould, and they directed Strike a Pose. Please help me welcome Esther and Ryer to the show. Hi, guys. Hey. Hi. Oh. <laughs> Esther, you sounded so shy right now. You're regular. You're normally not that shy. Oh, well, maybe it's because, because of your introduction. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's true that you've, you both have changed, you know, the direction of where uh, my life was going. And that being said, my life wasn't going in some horrible direction, you guys. I, I just want to say that. I mean, I was living my best life. These two came in and enhanced it. I will always be forever grateful to them. And I am so glad that the relationship has grown past, you know, actor in a film, director of a film, you know, I can call them and ask them to be on the episode and it was definitely a yes right from the get. So I really appreciate that. Esther Gould is an award-winning director and writer. She was born in Peter Coulter, UK, yes. which is uh, in Scotland and it's a suburb of Aberdeen. How was, and I looked up like that area. It is so beautiful and picturesque over there. It's like living in one of these like fairy tale towns. Did it feel like that to you? It did. I mean, uh, I think it says Peter Coulter in my passport. Although uh, my parents moved twice when I was really young. So yeah, I don't you really moved remember. After them when you were 10. Yeah, yeah. But before that, with it, in Scotland, they moved a few times. So oh, yeah. uh, I don't really remember Peter Coulter. But oh, okay. I do remember uh, growing up in the Scottish countryside. And it that was beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. It was, yeah. I remember these endless fields. Yeah. Like we could play. We had this house in a tiny village, the kind of village that only has houses on one side of the road. And then that's the end of the village. <laughs> um, it's like 20 houses on one side of the road you know behind our garden there were fields and fields and fields which obviously weren't really ours because they were farmers uh fields but we it felt like they were our playground what is your fondest memory of growing up in that area wow i don't think anybody's ever asked that what i mean i think playing outdoors uh there weren't a whole bunch of kids because it was such a tiny village so our choice of friends wasn't huge <laughs> but there were a few kids and we used to just go out there and 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 play outdoors um i think that's my fondest memory 
I feel like you were like the leader of the pack with amongst your friends. Really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, the, you're the wrong. Way you, the way you led this production, I was like, oh, she was the she was the leader of the pack amongst her little girlfriends. She was like, and now we're going to <laughs> run. And if you don't jump the rock and into the, you know, into the river, you're out of the club. Uh, but that's actually not true because that's actually a position <laughs> that I really had to grow into or evolve into. Because, I mean, I'll skip the childhood for a second because actually the, the, my big sister was the one who was always leading the pack. Right. But I, but I also started as an assistant director and researcher. So I started out actually always being very, um, maybe you can't imagine, but being very helpful and like passive. a- Passive. Not passive, but like a, what do you call that? Like a <laughs> right hand or a left yeah. hand or. Mm -hmm. And so it took me quite a long while to grow into directing, which to a large extent is actually taking the responsibility. Right. Uh, and feeling that it's a story worth telling and feeling that you won't fuck up even though it's hundreds of thousands of euros and all that kind of stuff. That took me, that was a long path, to be honest, and boring. One of your films that you directed and actually won an award for was about your sister, right? A Strange Love Affair with Ego? Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, it was very, it's very much actually about what we're talking about now which is about leading the pack um so i grew up i mean my sister is no longer alive um she committed suicide in a kind of psychotic phase i'm sorry to hear that she i i always looked up to her and i guess i kind of adored her or something or if I, if i was a fan of anyone i think i was a fan of my sister's so, and then when she died, I was left with a lot of questions about, basically about her ego, hmm. because for the most part of our lives, she seemed so self-confident and, um, um, I mean, she always felt she was going to conquer the world. I mean, it's hard to summarize this story, but in the end, she basically killed herself, even though it was in a psychotic um, phase. So uh, it left me really puzzled about how ego works and how self-esteem works and how self-love works. So first, in the beginning, I thought I'll make a film about narcissism and I'll make it funny and it won't be about me. And, um, and then my producer and other people basically convinced me that I needed to still tell this family story to make the film make sense which I hate, I did, really didn't want to do that because of course I didn't start documentary filmmaking without a reason, which is that I prefer, I prefer observing. I, I really didn't want to tell my own story or something. Mm. But um, let's say the film itself and other people convinced me to put my family or my personal story in this film. Although I do still hope it's a bigger story. It's not just a family story, I think. So it, I feel like it's more nuanced because you did put a more personal spin on it. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be able to capture this big subject, which is self-confidence, self-love, um, and its other side, um, self-hate. And I, I, I mean, it's probably, otherwise it would have been too big. It would have floated away. 
something like that. Speaking about self-confidence. <laughs> let's talk about you. Right, let's talk about me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Actually, let's talk about Ryer, who was born in Amsterdam. You were born in Amsterdam, correct? Yeah, that's right. And your parents took you to see Truth or Dare at 11. <laughs> Why would they take you to see Truth or Dare at 11 years old? I think at the time it was just the film you had to see. And I don't think they put much consideration into it, whether it was a film for an 11 year old, because it was also just promoted as a film about Madonna's world tour and would be an exciting thing. So we went there um, with my sister too, was, who's two years older. Um, and actually I was not really looking forward to the film uh, when we went in. I, I clearly remember thinking, why would we have to go and see this one? And then we came out and I asked if we could go and see it again. So that's, that's actually the clearest thing of the, the, what I remember from the first time seeing it. But I just think that I don't th think my parents consider it, considered it something outrageous or, or, uh, and, and they just thought it would be interesting to see this film. And I don't think they would have ever thought that it would be in my mind for years and years and years to come and eventually um, would turn out in, an, into a new film and documentary. So we changed your mind. Yes, you did. <laughs> no, and it, 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 I mean, your introduction was um, not only really nice, but it's such a, because you guys have changed the lives of so many people. And, and for me, it's, it's easy to say because you've changed my life too, not only by seeing the film and having such an impact and making me think mainly all these years later, not, not when I was 11 years old, but make me think about so many things, but also in making Strike Pose, um, in making a documentary film together with Esther Gould and with you guys, that changed the, my path too. So that's really great. I feel the same way. Now guys, Ryer is also an award-winning director, writer, journalist. He went to the University of Amsterdam and started working in journalism right away. And one of your colleagues was quoted as saying uh, that you are an exceptionally talented journalist and a good television maker. He is as honest and as ambitious as clear and uh, as diplomatic. And if anybody has ever met Ryer, it's kind of true. And just by looking at him, you can tell that he's not shysty. And he's probably not pure as the driven snow, but you know, he looks it. And so it's probably one of the reasons why every time I would introduce him one, to one of my friends, they were like, who is Ryer? Oh my God. And I think we're always attracted to kind of like the things that are not us. So like, if we're like street, you know, or, you know, not ghetto, but you know. You don't think I'm ghetto? <laughs> this is turning into an insult. <laughs> I'm not ghetto enough for you. That was so funny. It was actually, a, you know, a little side joke that me and my friends have. It was very, very funny. But so you guys met where? In Amsterdam? Were you both working at Nova at the time? I'm not sure. But the first time was, I think, through our common friend, Sarah, 
because everything happened at the same time, Esther and Sarah were working together and getting to know each other and becoming friends. And Sarah and I had been friends for a long time. And then Esther started working briefly at the journalistic program I was working for. So I think we met in multiple ways at the same time mm -hmm. um, and, and got to know each other. And it was a birthday party, wasn't it? When we started talking about your idea to make a film. Yeah, I think the first time we actually talked about making a film together was at the birthday party of Sarah too. Yeah. No, we were, we, we barely knew each other. Basically, we knew each other a little bit. Um, we clearly kind of liked each other, but we were no, we weren't close to friends. We just bumped into each other. So then why ask Esther to make a film with you? Um, I, I don't remember it as asking her to make the film together. I, we just started talking about right. you guys, about Truth or Dare. And Esther was, I think, the first person in the world, maybe, that immediately had the same connection to it as I did, although it's a very different connection. Um, but we saw the same relevance um, and um, we liked in the same way the idea of exploring it further so it was definitely not like i came up with a film idea and right. now i'm looking for another director to co-direct right. it was right. really a conversation about about truth or dare and about what it had meant and and then we started talking and we never stopped talking about what it could be and this literally i remember our first flight from amsterdam to la and after this nine-hour flight, the uh, steward came up to us and he said, you are the first two people on a flight from Amsterdam to Los Angeles who didn't stop talking for just one second. <laughs> and I think we never stopped it's talking true. since. <laughs> and that's because we really have a connection together as people, but also really about the themes and... Um, ideas behind strike a post and truth or dare and what was your connection to strike a post i mean to uh truth or dare esther um so i'm slightly older than Geyer. not much no i was a bit older i think i was 16 when the, when the film came out um i could do the maths but um um and i i mean everybody watched that film but i guess what i when I was talking to Geyer at this birthday party, one of the things that really struck me was that I really missed the 90s and a specific, um, how do you call that? Like an atmosphere uh, that was around, which was, which was about, which to me felt like freedom or something that people could, people were trying to move out of boxes um, and and I think you and uh, you guys and Madonna were doing that, but other people, I mean, I think Prince was also doing that at the same time. It was all about, you know, you didn't have to be one thing. Um, and I really missed that time, something like that. So it's something, so how Truth or Dare spoke to me is that it's one example of something that I loved about the 90s, which was a certain kind of freedom and extravagance and boldness, but also a kind of a sense of freedom that you don't have to be stuck in a, any box, whatever it is, male, female, straight, gay, black, white, all that kind of stuff. Right. 
Was it difficult getting the project started? Well, <laughs> now we could easily make a joke. Uh, of course, the project, I mean, it all depended on whether you guys would participate because well, with yes but right? before but before us ah but before you guys i mean i Ray and i made a strategic decision which was to not look for the full funding full-blown funding until we knew that you guys were on board so the first thing we decided to do was to go on this research trip after of course i mean we'd found you all online and written emails that were sometimes answered and sometimes were not and um, who would not answer your emails <laughs> oh my god that's such a tragedy that's so rude <laughs> when i so, find out who that person is i will definitely give them a tongue lashing <laughs> uh, we could fill a whole podcast on how did we get lewis on board <laughs> uh right um who me yeah you so anyway so we we basically decided let's just spend this summer holiday right going and seeing um and talking to all of you guys or whoever wanted to talk to us and see if we had a movie um so that's how it started um and uh and yeah we had to chase some of you guys bad ryer who was the first one to say yes to you and did they see your picture first? <laughs> we only sent out Esther's pictures. No, um, I think that we sent out an email first to Kevin. Um, and I think he responded right away, but it could also be Carlton, either Carlton or Kevin. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but it was also because we've, we didn't send out seven emails because we also reached out to of course, Sue, Gabriel's mom. Mm -hmm. So we didn't send out seven emails at the same time and we just um, took it one by one. Um, and I think it was Kevin or, Kevin or Carlton and they sort of immediately said, yes, we're really interested to talk because we didn't ask, as you might remember, for your commitment uh, immediately to be in the film, but we just wanted to meet you and to talk and to see and to talk about this film idea and uh, i think carlton and kevin both said yes and then oliver um and salim slam but we had to meet him somewhere outside of the us and then i think i i, I definitely remember that you and jose were the last ones to <laughs> talk to us <laughs> but who was the very last was it me or jose? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you, you guys both acted in the same way, which was that you were really hard to get. So I think, I mean, through loads of tricks that we can skip, but um, we ended up convincing both of you um, to at least have a, no, he, yeah, to have a conversation. And uh, with Jose, that ended up being a coffee at Starbucks in the Lower East Side. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. That wasn't going to, coffee was not, uh, not enough for me. Uh, uh, so for you, we came up with this whole plan. Guy <laughs> and I were thinking, how can we convince this man? And then we decided to invite him for a meal and a good French meal. We even thought about this. And then, but then I think after that meal, you told us, I mean, 
And this happened with every single one of you. You told us a large part of your story up until then. Um, and we, every time we were blown away. But I also recall that we went for ice cream and you were like, ah, but I still don't know if I want to be in your film. No, that wasn't the case, yes, was it? It really? was. Yes. You said to call me in a year because we, we told you that we were planning on filming in a year from that moment. And you said, well, call me in a year. And that's, what, that's sort of how we left. And then we... Oh, yeah, I was holding out for a car. I can imagine. <laughs> do you remember clearly why? Do you remember clearly why you were in so much doubt? Because I think I know. But do you now looking back and seeing what it has become for you too? I think for me, it was the why. Like, why? Why do you want to make this film? Like, why do you want to make this film? It be were you afraid that us? it was going to be about Madonna again, like all these other? Well, in the in the beginning, before we had, before we went out and had dinner, and you know, explained what it was, uh, before you guys so eloquently explained what it was going to be. Um, yes, that was my thought. Like, do I really want to, you know, talk about Madonna again? Like, not that I don't want to talk about Madonna, but. I've done so many interviews in regards to what's Madonna doing? You know, how was she? You know, this, that, the other. And it becomes an interview about Madonna, which is great. But after a while, it just becomes stale and old. Mm -hmm. And so in the beginning, I thought that's what this was going to be. And Kevin was like, no, 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 you got to talk to them. It's really about us and this, that, the other. So, you know, Kevin was the one that was like, please reach out to them. Please reach out to them. Please reach out to them. So, so then I relented and uh, had dinner with you guys. And then the end of the night and, you know, you guys were like, oh, you know, we're probably to do this in a year in my head, you know, my eyes rolled back like, oh, okay. You were like, this is not going to happen. Yeah. I was like, oh, this ain't going to happen. Like, okay. This, this was a cute idea. Love you guys, bang, you know? And so, <laughs> and that was me just being fearful of the unknown, not having faith at that moment that this would be fruitful. And, um, and so, you know, I, I went with that line of thinking instead of, you know, the line of thinking of, I just met these two wonderful people and this probably would happen. So let me say yes right now. So I went the, you know, I went with the old thinking line of thought and so that's why i was like yeah call me you know call me in a year we'll see if this happens yeah 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 you know but that being said the impression was already there and was it really a year after because i feel literally. like it flew by literally it was literally a year it was the next and we summer. stayed in contact throughout the year we stayed in contact and we so i think but next the summer after we came back to film because i remember carlton being like <gasps> Wow, you guys kept your word. Maybe that's how had... that's how I felt. I was like, oh, yeah. they they they're back. <laughs> 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 oh, they, this is really oh, they kept their word. We're uh, actually going to do this. <laughs> and so I was uh, pleasantly surprised. But you know, when I left you guys, I was like, why? Like, why? 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 So I ask you. You know, again, why, why us, why, why us of all the, all, of all the things you could have made a film about, why us? It didn't seem apparent to you because I the didn't. why, no? 
No. Why is not such a hard question to answer, I would think. I mean, the egotistical side of me is like, of course, you know, why not me? Ha ha ha. But, you know, I was always like, why? Why? Why us? But maybe you were also scared of looking back. Or what Probably. I what I can remember from that time and what and I can also really understand it is that if you have such a huge event in your life and then everyone wants keeps on wanting to talk about it and then there's a moment where you have to I mean you have to move on and then sometimes looking back is the worst spiritually that's the worst thing you can be doing because you have to move on and so I think I mean Raya and I often said about this film that it had it was I think the timing was right I really think five years earlier and 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 it wouldn't have been right because it was psychologically about when is it fruitful to look back? back. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it was at that point in time fruitful to, I mean, the film is not only about looking back, but part of it is. Um, and uh, yeah, it felt like the right time to do it. But I could imagine that you were like, oh my God, I want to, I have to move forward, live onwards. I also think that when people see the film that are not, that don't really have a strong connection themselves to Truth or Dare or Madonna, what they take from Strike a Pose most of the time is that it's about what we talked about, overcoming shame or acceptance of the highs and lows in everyone's lives. And that I, I think people can connect, everyone can, can, can connect to that, um, but that I think when I uh, look back at your decision whether or not to join uh, in making this film, um, it was also sort of about acceptance of what was and what is and where you stand now. And I think I, that's for all six of you and, and even for Sue Troop and Gabriel's mom. Um, so it's about looking back and relating to where you are now, which is something we all have to do. And it can be hard, but I think the word acceptance is, um, is strong there. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> I think Sue was also like, why? Yeah. 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 She was also really wondering why. Um, and I think she, in, in the beginning, I think she agreed because she, she really felt that Gabriel needed to be represented in the film. She didn't want him to be the only dancer, not represented or whose yeah. story wouldn't be represented but um i mean for for obvious reasons she didn't like truth or dare so she was like why on earth would we look back at that film how was that conversation with you know mama troopin how did that go it was it was a longer conversation as well because we first met in San Francisco at our home and and um, and she hadn't agreed to be a part of the film uh, like you guys didn't agree immediately um, but she was interested to hear what we were going after um, and she like Esther said she really didn't see uh, the impact Truth or Dare had had to its full extent. So we sort of had to tell her that so many people, that it was not only two film directors from Amsterdam, but that so many people around the world were still talking about that tour and that film. And that especially for a lot of queer LGBT people, uh, it was a really 
uh, important film uh, and also because of the gay kiss between Salim and Gabriel. And for her, that kiss always had, had been something that shouldn't have been in the film because Gabriel didn't want it to be in the film. Right. So had, to hear had, from at, us... At that, at that time, it had a negative connotation for her. Yes, it did. Yeah. And not because he was kissing a guy. For her, that was not the problem at all. Right. But it was something that her son, Gabriel, didn't want to be in that film, and it was. So when she heard from us that it had meant such a different thing for so many other people, and it had actually changed people's perspective or look on life and their possibilities as a gay young man, she she got interested, but she still didn't get it. I remember her telling us after premiere, after seeing Strike a Pose, that finally it hit her how important it had been. And only after Strike a Pose came out, there it was obvious that it did still um, ring a bell for a lot of people. And to that point, I mean, the irony of that whole situation regarding the kiss, right? As it was so in her case, a bad connotation, it had a bad vibration around it. And then to come to find out that it had an actual positive vibration on not only, you know, it, uh, gay culture, but just in cinema in general, right? Where it became this point of conversation and this point of inspiration for many. And it's almost like, it's almost like the genius of what what was going on back then with the filmmakers and madonna it's just like we can't keep this out mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. he wants us to yeah. keep he wants us to to cut it but it's so like this is a, such an important moment you know moment and unbeknownst to all of us because we were just playing truth or dare right we were <laughs> just playing truth or dare and i was trying to be you know cute and be like you know kiss slam you know and so <laughs> trying to be you know Lewis <laughs> and it wasn't a peck it wasn't a peck on the cheek and it was the kiss that was uh, heard around the world yeah you're that, right yeah we had a lot we had so many discussions I remember yeah. when we were making strike a pose um you always have these it's funny because as a as a doc as a director whether it's fiction or documentary you basically have to have a vision you have to know what you want to say right it's not just like capturing reality right um but it's it, it's always interesting when these things come up that you can't quite make your mind up on and one of these things was actually was still the kiss so we had these conversations with the crew you know, like after a day of filming in San Francisco with Gabriel's mom, we would talk about, and I, I, I remember I kept on changing my mind about, because still as a documentary filmmaker, the trust you build with your, I mean, they're not main characters, they're people. Right. And so that's a really important thing. And if you promise something to someone who is participating, it's really important to keep your promise. And on the other hand, you have this greater importance. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's a really tricky thing. I mean, I still find that hard to like, okay, so what would you do if you were in the director's uh, shoes or if you were in Madonna's shoes in the editing room, what would you do? Um, it's really hard. And you interviewed, you know, quote unquote, people on the street regarding the 
kiss. So, you know, was that at that point, the intent of keeping the kiss and the subject of the kiss in the film? Yes, definitely. For us, the kiss was a really important part of the story of Strike a Pose or the story of you guys, because um, we saw a group of young men um, who were very, not only talented, but self-confident and willing to show the world and to tell the world, express yourself. And it had such, had, had such an impact on such a huge uh, group of people around the world. And then at the same time, we found out that it wasn't that easy or simple for any of you guys to just be proud and just be bold and just be out there. And it was not only in, in Gabriel's kiss. Um, and again, I don't think Gabriel was ashamed of the kiss as such, nor was his mom. Um, but Gabriel felt, felt, didn't feel good about that kiss being shown in a film. Um, but for us, that made it an important part because there was this paradox with the message of expressing yourself on tour and then your lives mm -hmm. um, and, and it, that part not being that easy for all of you, whether it was hiding a part of yourself or not telling anyone uh, about being HIV positive. And we found that really, well, not only interesting, but also a because it's, it's really something everyone has to deal with in life and not on the same scale, not in the same way, but it is some, something all of us have to deal with. And I, I, when I think back of Strike, or I look back at Strike a Pose, I'm proud that we managed to make it a story that is really about everyone um, because it's a hard thing to accept yourself and to express yourself. And even for you guys, and I think that came out and, and the case was a really good example of that so you come out you meet with all of us and sue uh you talk for nine hours on a plane did you talk for nine hours all the way back what was the feeling that you know what did you take away from that first meeting like did you turn to each other and be like oh god this is not going to happen no 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 i mean i think i i hinted at that before every conversation Right. Blew us away. And I so, so the converse so the conversation going back was like, oh my God, we have oh my something God. here. Yeah. And it also, and oh my God, we have something that we have to try to give some magnitude or so I mean, you can make all kinds of films, right? Short right. little things, uh, big films for cinema, everything in between. And and this was what we were not sure about on the way there. Uh, but on the way back, I think we were pretty convinced that the, this could be also like a cinematic experience, which not every documentary is. And it doesn't have to be. But we were like, this is cinema. This is because it's sensational, because it's a ride, because it's... And I think we could feel, I don't know, we were just super excited and like, oh my God, we were super excited. Correct, Nair? Very, very super excited. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely talking all the way back on the plane ride. Those flight attendants should uh, get a special present or something. <laughs> now you go back. You're super excited about this project. You know, you now know definitely. You know that this is this is going to work, or this is you know this is something that you're invested in how did you get other people to invest in it no i think the first thing we tried to do 
was to get all these stories from you from seven seven stories and to and the way it had touched us on on this research trip that we did um, to get it into one story that that could be told to other people and uh, to show people uh, that it could be a film that's really interesting to more people than only Die Hard, Madonna, Blonde Ambition, Truth or Dare fans. There, and there and there is the hook, right? There's the the crux of you know what all this is. It's like, oh, that's a, that's cute, but that would only be interesting to Madonna fans. How would this be interesting to a larger scope? Yeah, definitely, and 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 that was hard sometimes. Um, also, the other way around, that some people who were interested, like networks or people who could help financing, um, th they were only interested if Madonna herself would be in the film, and yeah. that was something that we well we had told you uh, right. we wouldn't go after Madonna because this would right. be a film about you, and right. not about her because it would be a completely different film. Um, and so, but some people had difficulties with that and wanted us to try harder to get Madonna to be in the film. And so it took a while to convince people and sometimes it worked out easily. And sometimes we really had to work really hard to make them see that it would be more than just, also more than a where are they now film. Um, and, and, but we were so sure after talking to you that it could be that and that it could be a relevant thing an exciting thing for many people yeah and i think if you honestly believe that you can do it we we were able to convince other people to come on board okay so the money's on board now you're gathering your crew you're coming back how was the process how was your process um how, uh, that's a good question i mean to be brutally honest yeah i yes. often find the research phase um, in a way more exciting um, because not only because it's the first time you hear these stories, but also because, I mean, it's all there. And, and then when you go when in this, so now we came back and we had to film it and you want to capture the same sensation to some extent that we had when we met you guys. And of course it has to be film and not a podcast. Uh, there's nothing wrong with podcasts, of course. Really <laughs> very wow. important. Way to, way to save yourself there, <laughs> But of course, it had to become film. So it ha also had to be more than uh, interviews and conversations and all that kind of stuff. But we actually, I mean, a lot of thinking had gone into that before we came back. Because in, in, uh, in the Netherlands, to get your funding, you basically have to write a very compelling they call it a script obviously it's not really a script with dialogue and everything but it is quite an extensive document that and it has to be artistic because it was like it's our tax money right so it has to be artistic and all that kind of stuff so we had already a lot of ideas so i think we came with a lot a lot of ideas and uh, and a crew and i mean it was also pretty hard wasn't it it was hard work Rayer and I were doing a lot of yeah. the production ourselves, like the, the set production. Uh, so we worked our asses off. No, and I think that the, the, the most important thing, but also the hardest thing, is to capture the emotion that's really there um, at that moment that you're actually going to film. And that's such a difficult thing, because even in our first conversations, of course, there is 
some kind of emotion, but you want to have that on film. So it's really hard to get there again and to make it a cinematic thing too. Um, so yeah, it is hard work. And I, I agree with Esther that the research phase is really interesting because everything is new and everything's exciting and, and you keep adding new thoughts and new, uh, new things. And then with filming, it just has to happen, which is a lot of pressure. <laughs> Um, it's like the research is like a honeymoon and yeah. now you're married <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember um, certain days that were tough and, and that things were not going the way you would want them to go and other days that were really uh, exciting because of also the dancing scenes I, I think they're a strong point in the film but also filming I mean this is really what you're so incredibly good at and it's both for both Esther and me dance is not something that we have a strong had had a strong connection to before I didn't really understand it that well and seeing you dance and seeing how you can tell a story in 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 dance and how you can propel emotions um that was I I was very really inspiring and those were the cool filming days (laughs) so that was my next question what was the hardest part you know, during this whole process? I think actually the editing. Oh, yeah. You're with the seven. Editing is, <laughs> yeah, there's seven of you. That's a lot. So, so choosing what goes in and what is kept out was hard. I mean, I could just imagine. And how, how does it add up? Because in the end, the film could not be like seven portraits. And of course, you guys share a lot and you share this history but you also have i mean you were also individuals um so that was hard i think to make to kind of give justice is that the right word to everyone's personal story but also make sure that it added up right that was that was hard um so the editing process was quite tough but then came the premiere and then oh, it was wait. All did you have while. did you guys have several ver- versions like would you like put it together and be like oh no this is not right let's switch this switch that definitely uh-huh. yeah we <laughs> took several <laughs> is an understatement oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> we took turns in editing and i remember i did the first run of i think two or three weeks and i hadn't even looked at it myself and Esther came in and her face was just like it was just one big nothing to her <laughs> and 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 after the, I'm horrible oh, after marriage don't came, hold back Esther tell us how you really feel <laughs> <laughs> no but I, I think I don't even know how many first because we kept editing and and at some point the first part was really strong and then the second part was really weak and then it switched around and then we and and we kept looking for totality of it the full film had to be one experience story that made sense so did you ever think that um you didn't get enough footage or did you do you think you had enough footage that it was hard to pick from like was there any was there any point in this whole process that you're like Oh, I wish we would we could have got X Y Z or something like that. I, I I think for me it it would be both because we had way too much interesting footage and too many interesting and important stories to tell. But at the same time, I 
I think we could have filmed more of you dancing um, because each and every time we used it, I think in the uh, final film, it was a very strong part. Um, I would have liked to, but that's more an editing thing because we did interview you about voguing. And I thought there's, there's such a strong connection in the themes of Strike Pose with acceptance and hiding and having shame and posing to hide your shame um, and, and what voguing is um, and showing your pride. And um, so I would have loved to have a segment <laughs> or a part of the film, but, but there was just no space in this film to really get into that. So strike a post two then. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite part of this whole process besides me? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, what was my favorite mm. part of the whole process? I have, that's really hard to say because I, I seriously have really fond memories of making this film. I mean, you have to, understand Reyer made this film while having like a full-time super ambitious high-blown job I was working on another film and we I mean obviously we, we had these shooting periods we had editing periods but a lot of the work was like in the weekends and the nights and and <clears throat> it just felt a bit like a it's funny because now we're back to Scotland I remember it as this adventure so what I, I think what I liked the most was we had this energy and we wanted to get it done. And in a way it was impossible if you thought about everybody's other jobs and stuff. Um, and then to kind of overcome that, to kind of also to overcome all these things that you have in the film industry of how things usually go. And, and, and we kind of broke some walls there as well to make it, that's how we, we're back in a year was we really pushed it, the financing, uh, because it tends to be really slow in Holland. Um, so we really pushed for the film. So I remember it as this adventure, like a bit like playing in the Scottish countryside. What did you guys learn from this whole documentary, strike a pose, meeting the dancers, filming? What did you guys learn? <laughs> Um, the questions get harder as we go along. They do. They do. Um, I learned a lot about personal... Uh, it's so hard to find the right words with these questions, but something about personal growth or how a lifetime is made up of chapters and how... And that's a good thing. But at the same time, it's not a new book or something. So how... No. So how these chapters relate to how you started out and, and it, something, I mean, it's hard to find the right words now, but with these very difficult questions, philosophical <laughs> questions, but, but I really did learn a lot about that. And a, a certain mildness as well about, I also, to be honest, learned, I learned a lot about how brutal I think the, the the entertainment industry is i mean i think you guys are all artists so i don't mean entertainment industry in a like Ooh, but it is brutal i do think it's also brutal um, mariah well i'm thinking i i think um the word resilience comes to mind and it, it connects to what esther is saying that 
um, everybody in life has to deal with stuff. And whether you're 20 and you're on the biggest um, concert tour in the world and in the um, most important documentary at the time, and you're a star and people like you and people even write to you saying that you've meant something to them, even then the life that comes after can be difficult and will be difficult. And it's all about overcoming, accepting. And, and I think what you as a group uh, show people is resilience. And I, I, I've learned from that, that there's just no way of um, one happy ride and, it, and you have the, the exciting parts, the beautiful parts, and you have the dark parts, but to, yeah, and it's, it's up to all of us to make the best of it. Um, so I think that's on a, on a personal level, what I learned from, from the film and from talking to you. And also on another level, I, I learned a lot more about the AIDS crisis and about what it has done to, because I'm, I'm, I'm of the generation AIDS was just there when I grew up. So there hadn't been a world without it, but it was also something that when I was um, in my 20s, um, it was already a different disease than what it had been. So I learned from researching Strike Oppose, like the total destruction that it has done and the generations of creative and beautiful people um, that passed away. And there's this Instagram account uh, to take it back to now and it's called the AIDS Memorial and it's just people who are writing about the loved ones they have lost uh, to AIDS and it's it's such a beautiful I can read these stories for hours because it's it shows you the impact and and all the loss uh, it's sad sometimes of many times but at the same time again there's this resilience and people um, yeah, story of their loved ones. And, and I think, so it's, that's another layer for me, what Strike Oppose has taught me about what happened back then, because I had never really thought about it that much. This film uh, debuted and premiered in, at Berlin, uh, in Berlinale, uh, which is a festival in Berlin, duh, uh, in 2016. And you flew, you guys flew us out for that, um, and it was the first time that we all saw it together. And it was the first time that I saw the six of us crying at the same time, laughing, you know, all at the same time, uh, being just deep in thought and at the same time, and also discovering each other's stories at the same time. It was really powerful to feel that vibration in the audience. And I was over, you know, overwhelmed, not only with pride, but, and, uh, but with a little bit of sadness, I felt like it was a, just a love, you know, a sweet love letter to us and what we went through and, uh, sadness because you know, for me, it was all just a time of uh, almost innocence. <laughs> I don't want to say like innocence, like, you know, because I was definitely not an, in, you know, innocent back then, but it was just a different time. Right. And so thinking back from that time to the moment of the premiere, how things have changed and I'll stick to my side of the street 
and speak on just my story, how it has changed and the journey I've been, you know, on and the things I went through um, to see all of that culminate onto the screen in this lovely way um, was so, you know, awesome. And, you know, I'll forever be grateful. I was speaking to somebody not too long ago about the film and we were talking about, you know, the Dutch crew that came from Amsterdam to film a documentary and why, why it took these people from the Netherlands, from across the world to come here and film, you know, this, this film. And, um, they were saying that it's almost, it probably wouldn't have worked with an American crew because they came in without any preconceived notions about what they were about to do or what they thought they were about to do or see or hear from us. And they came in without sensationalist angle and they thought that maybe an American crew would have been that way. Like they would have came at this project with a sensationalist point of view, which is something that us dancers were not looking for. And so I just wanted to thank you because you didn't do any of those things, right? Why do you think, I mean, why do you think that is? Like, why do you think you guys came in with this different view? Um. I mean, I think, I think there are several answers to this. I think one answer is that European culture is a little less obsessed with relevance, uh, all these kind of so sensationalism. So there's a there is just a bit more space for for a kind of softer approach and uh, for maybe <clears throat> more more. Um, yeah, a softer approach. I mean, American storytelling is is uh, I mean is a great thing that has led to many great films and books and everything, but it is it has quite a. I think it does influence the culture. So I think the culture doesn't really like looking back, or if it's looking back, it has to only um, be for a good, or it's all about the uprising or the. And in a sense, Strike a Pose has this cathartic. Um, sense to it but there's also I think that's just who Raya and I are we don't look at anything so not your guys lives and not our own either in just right. like in these simple narrative ideas of success and failure and overcoming and blah 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 so the drama so of oh. yeah exactly so there is a certain softness to it and we read that in some I mean we also got some criticism on the film and for example, and some, I mean, some of it's right. Some people wrote like, oh, they didn't really explain the lawsuit very well, which is true. We didn't explain the lawsuit very well. And that was because we chose for this different approach, which was not to jump on, but who screwed who over and what right. was it all about? But we re and that's why, and, and actually it's not our greatest strength, the bit about the lawsuit, um, but but it has to do with this choice that we chose we wanted the film to be to not be about blaming and 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 all this because what you end up in is people want to go so did madonna abuse the dancers or did the dancers 
sell her out or did the you know that was not at all what we wanted it to be about right i can only agree you know i think i i think there would be could be american directors with the same personal um interest in in your stories yeah and 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 guys listen (laughs) i'm not saying all american film crews would have did this i'm not saying that at all i'm just relating a conversation i had with somebody and that was their opinion so just you, you know i'm saying that to the yeah. people who are listening i'm not ba- we're not we all are not bashing american <laughs> film american film directors producers that's not what this is it's just we're just commenting and discussing a conversation i had with somebody that's all yeah no and i think i think it's really for for esther and me this is really what interests us this is really what it was about so we never had to think like oh it would be nice to include some more gossip but let's not do it because i don't know why um but we just weren't that interested uh in in all that in that part and that made it easier to have this focus and uh also because we both believe that that's the only way to make a strong and interesting film when it has this focus and when it's about something more than tell me all tell me how madonna eats her salad right <laughs> right what are you guys doing now a documentary series seven part documentary series about education in the netherlands and then more specifically about the fact that more and more kids are succeeding or not succeeding uh, like their parents so that basically your parents education is becoming the biggest factor in how well you do yourself wow school career wise and there's a lot of reasons for that and we're trying to capture that in a seven-part series where we basically follow a bunch of kids last year of primary school and some teenagers um, they all live in one part of amsterdam but we follow them their parents their teachers um, in and out of school for a year and uh, try to say something sensible about what's going on. How has that been? Has that been hard? It's really difficult. Oh How many God. families are you, are you following? So many. I mean, I think, I, I think we're trying not to be honest, but I think we have about like 12 families, but then we also have like school heads and supervisors or whatever you call it in america um so uh we we have the deputy mayor of education so we're following all these people who somehow play a role in education so it could be fantastic if we work it out (laughs) when is this gonna air or is it nowhere near completion and we have to wait like years before this is done and well, we, it, it, it will be broadcast on uh, Dutch public television uh, on the 30th of November is the first episode. Oh, awesome. That's yeah. not too far away. Mm, not too bad. No. <laughs> Ryer, are you at Open Door now? The other, I mean, not Open Door, the other room? Um, actually, yeah, uh, I am together with Esther. Now, um, I worked as a journalist for 16 years yes. um, with a fabulous program called News Hour. It's on Dutch Public TV, and I've worked there for a long time. Um, but now I decided uh, only last month 
uh, or I, I quit there and that is to be able to focus fully on filmmaking. That's awesome. Um, it is. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm really in, in this very first phase of a new life or a new step in life. Um, and it's all about finding out what projects are going to be the next ones to um, pick up. And I'm, I'm, in, I'm really trying to uh, choose now between some ideas that are already there um, and trying to find out whether it would be possible to make them into a film or a documentary series. So that's really exciting. And Esther and I will be working together on some projects and others will do a part like Esther is doing her documentary series now with our good friend Sarah. Um, so that's something to look forward to. Um, and it's, it's really exciting to have this new, yeah, new, new thing. Um, because Striker Post was my first and only documentary film. And now I'm about to uh, go and do more. And I am so happy that he made this decision. I love the camaraderie between you two. You're like a brother and sister team. <laughs> which is very near and dear to me because, you know, my, I'm very close to my sister. And Got so, it. you know, I just love that you two have chosen to be part of each other's chosen family and continue to be friends. It feels so genuine and it feels, uh, you know, not only genuine, but very organic. And thus what you guys produce and have produced with strike a pose feels very organic so when somebody sees the film and then they come back to me and say oh i saw strike a pose it had me crying it had me you know also laughing and you know some of the story is sad and some of the story is you know uplifting you know it's good to know that you've guys touched on all of those sentiments, you know, organically without this kind of like side windy agenda towards this, pro you know, towards this project. I feel like Strike a Pose, you know, and of course I'm biased, right? Uh, is, you know, one of those classic documentary films that makes you feel all the feelings and you know, like I said before, it's, it's, it's certainly changed my life. So I wanted to thank you for that. And thank you for just coming on and speaking your truth and being so genuine and, you know, and really being kind of just invested in what this story was and what it meant to you. So thank you so much. Hmm. Thank Pleasure. you. <laughs> I, may I ask you a question, Lewis? Yes, of course. I'm just, I'm curious. It, let's say if you meet someone new now, um, do you like recommend Strike a Pose as a few, or does it, or does that feel a bit personal for you if you don't know someone very well? Or? If I met somebody like I, that I don't know and we started talking about film or whatever, and I would say, have you seen Strike a Pose? I mean, it probably wouldn't come up that way. Um, but if it did, if, you know, if it did come up, yeah, I would say you should see this film. It's called Strike a Pose. <laughs> and not because I'm in it, but because two of these fantastic people came over here and made this film. Like, it's really, really, you know, it's really good. And uh, I still, to this day, get people, you know, messaging me about the film and how it has, you know, touched them deeply. 
So you still, you know, that, that ripple, you know, that idea, you know, from that birthday party, you know, rip is still rippling. Right. And, um, I just, I love that. I love that concept that you're still making an impact, not, not us and the dancers, but your vision, your idea, your work, your project is still affecting people today. And that's awesome. You know, especially in these, you know, crazy times that we're, that we're living through, you know, to, uh, you know, to know and see a documentary film that is not, uh, uh, doesn't have uh, a hidden agenda to it is, is awesome. So thank you so much. And thank you for being on the show today. I really, really do appreciate it. Our pleasure. Ooh, this is great. And lastly, really quickly, where can people see a strange love affair with ego? Is it, can we see it somewhere? Sadly not, unless you move to the Netherlands, which is also a good idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the best idea ever. <laughs> move to Holland and you, then you can watch it. Uh, but I, I, I don't think it's available on a platform out there. There might be some illegal download. Maybe you can order a DVD. I think a you can DVD, order. What's that? <laughs> you can order a DVD. <laughs> Just <laughs> but it's a, a DVD. <laughs> but it's a European region DVD. So I'm sorry for Ryer, all. Ryer, if I come to your house and you have a DVD player, I'm gonna throw it out the window. <laughs> oh my God, he has one. Wow. I have a Blu-ray and DVD player. Is that okay wow. with you? <laughs> accepted. <laughs> I. Wait a minute, Lewis. I have a VHS recorder. No. <laughs> Don't you have a Strike a Post DVD, though? Do I? I hope so. Um, <laughs> do I, David? <laughs> and guys, if you haven't seen the film, do yourself a favor and Google it. And you can still see it somewhere on the interwebs. I'm sure it's on, like, Apple iTunes and you can rent it there and stuff like that. So do yourself a favor and go see Strike a Pose. It's so good to see you. It's so yeah. good seeing you. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I really do appreciate it. I really, really do. Mm. Pleasure.